0: This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Jared Chancellor talks about raising boys in today's culture. Should parents take their children to church if they're struggling through the whole mass?
1: One body!
0: At what age should boys be taught to respect women? Well, let's find out. Jared is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Toman.
2: Jared Chandler is owner of Short Shop Barbershop in Great Bend. Stop Short Stop Barbershop, excuse me, in Great Bend. He has been a dedicated underwriter for Divine Mercy Radio, sponsoring Mass Minutes. Thank you for that, Jared. Jared is married to Addie, Mm -hmm. right? And the couple has four boys, ages five and under, and they all have great names. Ambrose, Augustine, um, Cyril, and Isidore. Wow, yep. nice, perfect. Now, yep. love it, love it. So, yes. Jared, again, welcome to coming into the station. I know I haven't met you before. I am looking to this topic, and so, uh, first off, my first question to you for our listening audience is: What advice would you give someone expecting their first baby? I'm, uh, you know, I, I turned thirty-one past November and, and I'm not married right now. Uh, but I know a lot of my, a lot of my friends are, are, you know, either young in parenthood or they are expecting their first. And so what kind of pointers would you have for them?
1: Well, I, I was similar to you. I was a little, uh, later in life when I got married. So I'm still a relatively uh, new parent by a lot of people's standards. Our oldest Ambrose is just four and a half years old. So, uh, not, not an incredible amount of experience. I, I make up for it with uh, the amount of children that we have. <laughs> uh, advice. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed when I was thinking about this talk was the amount of times in, parent, in fatherhood that I've felt powerless, and not necessarily in a bad way, but the times where, where things are just out of your control. Some I, I would try to tell someone that uh, to embrace the the times of powerlessness. Use those times as an opportunity to pray
2: and to to seek God. So And Jared, that's not easy for us guys to do now. No, <laughs> it's not. You know. <laughs>
1: yeah. And one of the things that's just kind of taken me aback is, is just how many opportunities there are on a in a daily basis to where you do feel powerless. And, like, one of the, the situations that comes to mind was uh, the birth of our children. And, uh, like, Ambrose, for instance, when he was born, not having any any kids before him, like, my wife, uh, we had a scare where we thought she was going into preterm labor. And it ended up being kidney stones, but she had, like, cramps and just really intense cramps, and they were actually spaced out pretty regular to where we thought that she may have been going into preterm labor and so we doctored in salina because we found a, a really good catholic doctor there and we knew that she wouldn't kind of pressure us into doing things that we didn't want to do sure but one just with her being <clears throat> having that that situation where i you know I all i can do is just drive her to the hospital and so i Losing my train of thought here.
2: No, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. Now you bring up you bring up that sense of just yeah you you know you're traveling to the hospital and it's kind of like I got to surrender control over this to other you know other, right and then also just the at the fact of you the, know the good thing the, the, yeah, the
1: good thing good. about the her having the kidney stones is that we were able to kind of get a test run of going to the hospital. So for <laughs> me, when when we went to when we went on vacation. Uh, I wanted to know everything about what we were going to do because I'd never traveled much and so I asked her a, a bunch of questions uh, trying to figure out what th- what was going to happen and that's my personality type is I want to know what's going to go on because I want things in my control well with with us going to the hospital that first time like everything was out of my control all I could do is drive the vehicle but it did give us uh, a a good a good taste of what was to come in the actual labor so when the time did come when she went into labor we drove to Salina it's about an hour uh, hour and 15 minute drive but uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, in the labor and delivery room is is that pretty much everything that I learned the rest of my life uh, leading up to that point was absolutely of no use (laughs) and so uh, you know thinking about it I, I thought you know the labor and delivery room is definitely not a place for a handyman to to show his worth. <laughs> so, being completely out of my element and not being able to help do anything, like just standing back and just taking everything in and watching my wife in extreme discomfort uh with with the contractions and Knowing, one, that I was partially responsible for <laughs> it. You know, if it wasn't for me, she wouldn't have been in that position. And two, the fact that that there was nothing that I could do to fix her, fix her pain or to help her was really, really hard for me. So s- sitting back and just taking that in, that was actually, in, it was really hard for me to try to come up with something to pray at that moment. And the only thing that I could come up with to pray was the before Meal's prayer, which <laughs> oddly enough makes a, a lot of sense when you think of it. Like, Bless us, O Lord, in these yeah. thy gifts, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, which we are about to receive. And you know, funny, and that's all I could get to come to my mind at that time. And you know, and that's fine. You know, God's not going to be mad that I couldn't come up with this big, fancy, eloquent
2: prayer at this time of extreme stress. How important is it to take your young children to mass at a young age? And what might you say for parents who struggle in taking their children to Mass and then give up going? And I'm going to quickly say with that, I, and again, I'm, I guess I'm speaking for, for me here, but others, others I'm sure can connect. When we see that young family come into the church and is willing to make those sacrifices where you may not be completely attentive to the Mass because you've got to take care of the herd, right. you are giving one of the most beautiful witness to the sign of life, to the pro-life movement, all those things, just by showing up. I have friends, too, and it's hard to persuade about, you know, well, it's just really tough, and so we're just going to, you know, stay home, and then when they're a little older, we'll get it figured out. No, that's not what God kind of teaches there, but what would you – how important is it? And then, yeah, what would you say to a parent or two who's struggling in that um, and, you know, does have that valid concern? What would you say about that?
1: Well, first, I would like to start off by saying – to everyone out there today who is bringing a child to Mass. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know how difficult it is to have children at Mass, so thank you for the sacrifice and dedication that you show our Lord. Jesus told his disciples, you know, so let the children come to him, do not hinder them, do not stop them. So thank you for listening to to Jesus and, and answering that. One of the things that Addie and I greatly enjoy and this is not so much to parents but to other people who see us at mass is uh it's really encouraging for us when we have older couples that come up to us after mass and uh and talk to us about their experiences with with their kids you know we know more than anyone else at mass how how ornery our kids are you know (laughs) uh, we're right there so everything that they do is amplified to us so come up to us after after mass and and tell us, you know, thank you for bringing them. Tell us that you're glad to see us there. Tell us that it's, our kids are handsome or, you know, something <laughs> like that, you know, because it's it's really hard when we are at mass and we have struggled the entire hour to try to keep our kids corralled to uh to look at it at the, with, with a positive light, but uh yeah. Uh, just encouragement from, yeah, from other yeah. people in the in the Mass, and it's really nice to, we have quite a few people that come up to us after Mass and talk to us, and it's it's really great to get that support from, from people in the parish and not get the evil eye when one of our kids starts screaming. But a lot of times when we're carrying one of the kids out because they're being ornery, we just, you look up and all you see is just people smiling at us. <laughs> so, yes. you know, that's that's a good thing, and we feel very welcomed by our church. But to, to answer the question, you know, uh, one of the ways that I, I probably feel the most stressed during the week is taking my four boys to mass on Sunday. And uh, the catechism tells us that, that uh, in paragraph 2177 that the Sunday celebration of the Lord's Day is at the heart of the church's life. you know, And if we do not instill that into our children, no one else is going to. You know, if we do not hand down our faith that has been handed down to us through generations, our kids, they will not learn it. And, you know, if we do not continually bring kids up, our, our church will die. We have to constantly be bringing new people into the church to keep it, you know, it's it's like a human body. You know, if your cells die faster than what they're being replaced, you know, your body will soon atrophy and wither away and die. The same thing happens, happens at in the church so it's really important and i would say it's probably the most important thing you can do for your children is to bring them to mass on on a sunday and i remember one time i i tried to take i I did take i didn't try to take i took my boys to uh, a mass so school was canceled because we had a lot of snow and one thing that my mom had always told me growing up is that catholic churches are always the last church to ever cancel (laughs) <laughs> uh, a mass if it snows and a lot of that is because the priest lives right next door and he's obligated to celebrate the yeah. mass anyways and so he's he's going to be there regardless. So we, I think we had like six or seven inches of snow on the ground and uh, I was at home with the boys and so I thought well I'll just take them to mass and we walked in and it was just it was me and I think we had three I had three boys at the time. And so it was just me, the three boys and Father Louie and uh, <laughs> it was daily mass. And so we sat right up front and, you know, Father Louie did a great job. He was patient with us. And when the boys would start hollering and screaming, he would just stop and he would let them finish and then he would go on with the mass. And so it's it's really important to, to take your kids to mass. And, uh, you know, don't worry, I would say don't worry so much about having, you know, you talked about like the perfect solution. Don't, yes. don't expect to go there and have your kids be perfect be f- uh, during mass because it's not going to happen. You know, a lot of times Addie and I, we will, uh, we have to compromise with our boys and let <laughs> them, instead of sitting perfectly in the chair, we'll let one of them lay on the kneeler just because we know that it will keep him from poking his brother or from taking his brother's book or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's you you, uh, you just settle for them being quiet and not disruptive and even though it's not ideal. You bet. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's really hard, but it's funny at church. There's another young couple at St. At Rose that they have three daughters that are right around our three sons age and they they also have a younger son as well But to see the difference between little boys and little girls at church is just it's (laughs) hilarious because they are little angels at church and sit so well and do a great job and here are our boys climbing over the pews and you know playing with rocks because they like to pick up Gus uh, especially he likes to pick up rocks on on the way to church, because we walk to church. We I think we live like four blocks from St. Rose, yes. and so we walk to mass every day unless it or every, every Sunday unless it's raining. Very and uh, you know, one of the things that you talked about expectations. One of the things that we do with our kids um, on the way to mass is we uh, rehash what our expectations of them good. are at mass, and we know going in in that that they're not going to meet all of these expectations, but we it, that doesn't mean that we're not going to hold those expectations for them. So, you know, as we're walking to mass, I, I'll ask the boys, you know, how are we to behave at church today? And they'll tell us, you know, yeah. be quiet and sit down. <laughs> is, is, is screaming appropriate at mass? And they'll say no. So, you know, <laughs> just to, to keep it in their mind before we get there that this is how you are to behave. And it's important that they learn how to behave in public because there's there's many situations throughout their life where the things that they learn at church will help them, you know, whether they're at school or whether they're at the library. So by, by taking your kids to Mass and, and hopefully, you know, you're training them to be good citizens and yes. being able to handle themselves the rest of their life, Absolutely. And it starts somewhere, and, yeah, so Mass is a good place to start.
2: Yeah, no, start. Ab- absolutely. Going on here, I'm curious about this question for you, Jared. How else do you teach the faith to your children? How else do you do that in the home with you and your wife?
1: It's really hard in today's world to to battle against uh, commercial America. You know, they've done such an excellent job of, of psychologically capturing our children's attention whether it be through video games or or the internet whatever it is you know they they do such a good job of of stealing our boys attention and so trying to combat commercial america's interests is is really the the first step into teaching your children the faith because you have to to get them to quit paying attention to everything that the world is telling them that they should be should be look over look over here at this or look over there at that and so you kind of have to put the blinders on them to to get them to focus on on what it is that you want to teach them so Addie and I we we really try our hardest to to keep our children's screen time and Good. stuff down Good. as much as possible and when we do allow them to have screen time A lot of times it's it's either an educational or a religious show so uh we have the formed app on our phone and they have uh there's a a kid's show called brother francis (laughs) on there and uh it is fantastic (laughs) it is so awesome and our kids learn so much from that show it is uh that they'll come up to us and they'll they'll start telling us things about the, the Bible and about Catholicism. And it's like, where in the world did you hear this stuff? And you ask him, and they're like, well, we heard it on Brother Francis. And I'm like, this stuff is good, <laughs> <They're> like, wow. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's really funny. Addie and I, we like to to talk about our secret weapon that we have at, at our house to teach our kids uh, about, the, to help teach our kids about the church. And it is, uh, it's, it's really funny. It's actually an FC Ziegler. Uh, catalog oh okay for church supplies <laughs> uh right right it's it seems it seems pretty crazy and uh so the the way we we were uh, addie and i we went to the uh, midwest catholic family conference in wichita a yeah. Uh, yeah. couple years ago and i was looking at or i went to their booth because they had uh travel cases for uh for priests and uh my wife's uncle is a priest in the Dodge City diocese, mm-hmm. and he had talked about how he had uh, he had loaned out his uh, travel case to someone to uh, I think they were traveling with with an urn, taking someone back to like their home country, and so he had allowed them to use his travel case because the urn had fit perfectly in it. Well, he never ended up getting his travel case back, and so I went there and I was I was asking awesome. them if you could get a travel case made for it. And, and he was talking me through and he's like, Hey, here's a catalog, you know, with all the stuff in it. And so we took it home and our kids just, just love it. And they, <laughs> they will say, and it's been really handy with potty training, um, because they will sit there and they will look through the statues and they know they can flip right to the, and it's a big catalog. I mean, it's three, 400 pages. And they can flip through it, and they'll they'll point out their their namesake they'll point out the Saint Augustine statue or <laughs> the saint Ambrose statue and uh Saint Michael they love Saint Michael the archangel, and so they Wonderful. spend lots of time looking at that and one of the positives of that is they've learned what a lot of the uh the things are that the priest uses at the mass, like uh our two year old Cyril he loves looking at the chalices in the magazine and uh and so whenever <laughs> the priest is up at the altar during mass and and he, uh, uh, you know, he's he's consecrating and he elevates the chalice. Cyril starts chiming, in, it's the chalice, it's the chalice. <laughs> and so you know, that's that a one. a boy, Cyril, yeah, right. Very that's good. that's our uh, that's one of our secret weapons. And another thing that my wife has done a really good job of is like she's made flashcards for the boys, awesome. and so uh, we'll take them to mass with us sometimes, and and at home the boys will look at them, and like she took and she drew like. Uh, the chalice on it and votive candles and statues and the monstrance and she I think she made like 10 or 15 uh, flashcards just for the boys to you know to practice learning the okay. different things at, at the mass but uh, you know we, we try to take little uh, little things where secular society tells us you're supposed to do something one way like Halloween you know instead of our boys dressing up as uh, you know Superman or Batman. We dressed them up as saints. Perfect. So love it. Uh, one year, Ambrose. We dressed him up as uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati, <laughs> and uh, Augustine. We je- dressed him up as G.K. Chesterton.
2: And <laughs> did it, he have it, a stash? In, in, he you know, did, and he did. And they both
1: they both had pipes. So there's there's a picture there's a picture of. Uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Fersati where he's standing on the mountain and I think it says Versalto on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he's got his staff and he's got his pipe in his other hand. <laughs> and so we've got a picture of Ambrose where he's holding his pipe and his staff and, and Gus, yeah, we took him we shoved Gus's shirt full of uh, full of uh, <laughs> wow, I think it was maybe pillow or something. So he looked like this perfect big, big, rotund guy because gk chesterton was a massive man so
0: we need to take a break right now but stay tuned to divine mercy radio we'll be right back with more from jared chancellor on raising voice in today's culture One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Jared Chancellor. Raising Boys in Today's Culture. George Toman conducts the interview.
2: Jared. How, is is it too early to teach your boys to be how to be gentlemen? And if it's not, what would you? What are some little ways that you've done to figure figure that out?
1: No, it, it's <laughs> it's never too early to teach your boys how to be gentlemen. My wife does a very excellent job of modeling to them what is acceptable for uh, a little boy and for a man, and how to to uh, to treat a lady and so she does a very very good job with it and uh yeah i <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think probably the biggest thing is probably just modeling behavior for them what exactly. is what is right to do you know from the very first uh date that Addie and i went on i made a point to to always open her car door for her and i know it's not a big thing and it's it's really funny because my my brother-in-law I can't remember what we were doing but he had seen me open the door for for my wife and he had he had commented like yeah that's not going to last very long into marriage and you know with with having four boys and trying to get them in and out of the car all the time it, it does not happen with the frequency that it that i would like to do it but i do try to model for them like this is what you're supposed to do and i'm like walking into a building i try to make sure and and show them like you know we take off our hats when we walk into a building and and things like that one of the really cute and adorable things that Addie's taught the boys to do is to to kiss her hand and uh <laughs> like not, and not in like a weird way or anything like that um but so if if I tell the boys like you know go kiss your mom and they'll walk over there and they'll just very tenderly pick up her hand and just kiss her <laughs> on the hand and it's a really gentle form of affection and uh, it's really funny because uh, Cyril our two and a half year old has uh, has kind of picked up on it and that's kind of how he expects to be treated as well <laughs> and so like it, when we go to put him to bed at night you'll a- I'll ask him can I give you a kiss and he'll stick his hand up like this like you know kiss my <laughs> hand because that's what mom has showed him uh
2: that's awesome to to do you know yeah I'll quickly say here Jared you know Some might denounce and say those little things don't mean anything, and and I'll just be frank—they're wrong. You know, those little things for those young kids means a lot. You know, you can use all the language you want to try to tell the kid what to do at those ages. What will cement home what you're trying to teach them in terms of manners is their actions. Right. Good. Just wanted to be sure to say that. It's
1: it's funny that um like modeling behavior when when one of your kids picks up on something, a bad habit of yours, and you see them do it, it amplifies it yeah. 10 times. I mean, <laughs> you see them do that and you just like, you have to look down and shake your head. You're like, I know exactly where they learned to, learned to do that. <laughs> and one of the things that I really, I hope that I can can do for my children is, is to be a good, a good model for them on how to, to do some of these things. Because looking back, you know, I had good good male figures in my life but i wouldn't say that i can can go back and pinpoint one who showed me like you this is how you treat a woman with dignity this is how you treat a woman and don't objectify a woman and and so i i hope that i can through my actions with my wife teach my kids to avoid some of the pitfalls that i had fallen into in my late teens and early 20s so you know I, i really hope that i can can do that and you know trying to keep to, to guard what information comes into our to our kids because little boys are all men are very visual creatures mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know trying not to allow them to watch uh any kind of television that has scantily clad women on it you know because pornography is a really big it is uh, oh man i don't try to think of the word epidemic
2: yeah, yeah, no, I mean, no,
1: fair. Yeah. Uh, it is it is destroying the heart and soul of our country and you know, if you can if you can show your children from an early age that this isn't appropriate to watch this type of thing. You know, and it's really funny cuz uh, my brother-in-law cuts hair with me in the barbershop and we were watching uh, a, a TV show the other day and a, a commercial came on for razors and They, you know, normally they're showing, shaving like a leg or an armpit or something, but no, they went straight to the bikini line. And it was like, we both looked at each other with just like this utter disdain, like, was that necessary? Like, did you really need to do that to sell this product? And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I say that and like, this is the type of things that we need to be shielding our our children from so that they don't get this warped sense of what is what is right and what is wrong absolutely so trying to to keep them from from seeing things that they probably shouldn't be seeing and it's really funny that uh a few years ago i uh i was watching a youtube video and it was on a stanford it was it was actually it was a lady that was putting on the uh the video. And it was, she was talking about a study that they had done at Stanford University where they had taken and examined men's brains while viewing women in varying levels of clothing. And the, the funny thing about it is that what they discovered was that the male's brain, when he was viewing a woman who was fully dressed the the parts of his brain that were activated uh when seeing her clothed were the the parts of the brain that dealt with uh with relationships and with yep. bo- with bonding and as they progressively showed images of women in less clothing his brain uh, the functioning of the man's brain switched from viewing them as people and relationships to viewing them as tools and the part of the brain of a man that wants to fix things started to activate and so you know by hopefully preventing our kids from seeing these scantily clad women we can teach their brains you know that this is how you're to see a woman um absolutely not not as an object something to be
2: you know to be used but as someone to love and someone to nurture absolutely no absolutely and all right we're listening to jared Chandler here and let's keep going this question i do want to get to for sure (laughs) because this is a big one especially with boys how do you settle conflicts when when the boys have you know you know with the boys, and is there a wrong or right way to settle these conflicts in your opinion through your experience? Um, I would say the only wrong
1: way necessarily might be to not do anything at all. <laughs> um, but it's it's different. So each one of our boys has a different personality, obviously, and it's, it's really funny. I was telling Lester before I, I came in here for the interview that our boys have kind of taken on the, a little bit the personality of their namesake. So like Ambrose, uh, Ambrose of Milan, uh, the story goes that uh, when he was an infant, uh, a honeybee flew around and landed on his lips and dropped a single, uh, single bit of honey on his lips, and his dad took that to mean that he was going to be an eloquent, eloquent speaker. And so, you know, St. Ambrose obviously was a very eloquent speaker, but our Ambrose, you know, he started talking before he was a year old and he started reading around his, his uh, fourth birthday and he reads at a very, very high level for a four year old. And so his linguists, uh, linguistic abilities are kind of really advanced for his age. And so him following in that path and then August, uh, Augustine, our our second is three and a half years old and uh he's very passionate. You know, everyone knows about Saint Augustine yeah. and his passion, <laughs> you know. Uh so our little Gus Gus is very, very he's a very passionate little kid. Awesome. <laughs> and he is I would say he's easily offended. Um, but I, I don't know that I would quite use those words but uh no, we get gets, what you mean there. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Yeah. He gets offended very easily and and when he sees someone else get offended, he is very uh his sense of right and wrong is very strong, and he is more than happy to to inform you when you mistreat someone. And so he's very, very
2: passionate. A lot of justice there, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and
1: Cyril, I haven't. There's so many Saint Cyrils that I haven't really, you know, isolated one that that our Cyril kind of might fit along with, but he, uh, Cyril, is our little fighter. I mean, he, and he's, I think he's like 25 pounds, and he's, he's two and a half years old, and so he's just this little pint-sized kid compared to his brothers, but man, his if his brothers do anything to him, he will not hesitate to just wallop them. And,
2: <laughs> Got and, a chip on his shoulder, huh?
1: <laughs> right. And the reason I tell this is because y- you can't approach each one of the kids the same way. Like Ambrose, a lot of times we can sit and talk to him and talk him uh, down and explain to him... Like we don't do, we don't hit your brother because it may hurt him, or we don't throw this baseball bat or whatever it is because you know this could break a window or this can you know you you could split your brother's head open. With with Gus, oftentimes what what we found out with him is we kind of have to separate him from whatever is happening because he gets so emotionally. worked up, so passionate about what's going on, that we have to take and and, you know, move him to another room or send him to his bedroom when he and his brothers are fighting. And normally it takes him, you know, three, four, five minutes, and then when he calms down, then he can he'll come back and, and he's okay and her with, with Cyril, because he's kind of our loose loose cannon, we have to kind of stay on top of him because, you know, the other day <laughs> they were outside playing and and uh, Gus pushed Sai, and Sai comes comes running up to me, and he's got these tears just flowing down his face. And Sai uh, looks at me, and he's like, Gus pushed me, and uh, and I was like, "It's okay, Sai." And you know, he goes, "I'm gonna go punch him in the face." <laughs> and it's like, "No, no, 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 we don't hit people, Sai." <laughs> and so that's you know, just trying to, to keep them uh, in and working with their personality types to to try to keep them from hurting one another. And, you know, with boys, uh, it seems like they always try to come up with the next, you know, most dangerous, stupidest thing to do. And so yeah yep, trying to yep. protect them is is nonstop and that you know kind of goes back to the powerless thing that I I'd mentioned yeah. at, at the beginning of the the radio like you're kind of just a lot of times like you can't just hover over your over your children and
2: that's right you know, yeah right. you know
1: I think being on the same page with Addie as far as like you know I, and we have very similar morals and stand and and, and that's things huge. like that so if the kids ask one thing and the fact that Addie and I know where the other person stands on this if they come up to us and ask us if they ask me something and i say no and then they go ask mom if mom knows where i stand on on issues then she'll she'll know right away what answer to give and so
2: absolutely no absolutely the
1: the thing is like with parenting is you know i've heard a lot of people say there's no manual for parenting it's it's learning on the job and uh so, I you know, I've got not quite five years of experience, so.
2: Last question I have for you for the next, oh, man, five, five minutes here that you can elaborate on and, and add in whatever you want to, Jared, in terms of this. But what can parents do to make sure they're on the right track in raising their, raising their children? What, what, what can parents do? And again, you do have wisdom here. Relatively young parent, but again, four, four boys Handful, right. so yeah. What what advice would you give?
1: Lots of love and lots of discipline, in <laughs> um, equal amounts. Um, yes. And one of the things I was I was thinking of uh, trying to prepare for this this interview was that you know we should model God's uh, mercy and God's justice and how he Amen. he does it in the correct portion. and that that is how we should try to model our our love and our. Uh, our mercy and our justice towards our kids. And so trying to imitate God and, and how we we discipline our children, I think is, is uh, very important. Another thing that I would, uh, and I'd kind of briefly talked about uh, hovering over children, is to not be afraid to let your children fail. Failure is a great motivation, <laughs> and uh, you know kids will learn a ton of things by falling. You know, if and, and obviously you don't want to let your kid fall down all the steps at your house or something like that. I mean, you want to protect them as much as what you can, sure. but allowing them the opportunity to to maybe uh, to fall off of a box or something like that, like yeah. let them get their bumps and their bruises, especially with little boys, because through getting those bumps and bruises, they're gonna learn. And one thing I've I've recognized as myself is I don't learn as well from other people's mistakes as I do from my own mistakes. Absolutely. And so by allowing your your children to learn from their own mistakes, it will it will sink in hopefully a little better to where you don't have to to scream at them so much to get the, get the oh, point absolutely. Through. as much as, you know, just, just let them learn for themselves, obviously kind of try to protect them as much as possible without hovering over top of them and let them, let them do their own thing and to make their own mistakes.
2: Absolutely. No. So again, you know, connecting this even scripturally here, Jared, you, you mentioned exactly the, the parenting style that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden, you know? So this is all yours god says to adam and eve just don't go here
1: And you know. protecting your kids or not protecting them keeping your kids from having consequences to their actions is not helping them in the long run hurtful. Part, it's hurtful yeah it's very detrimental to them you know so you have to and i think if you can if you can allow your kids to suffer consequences for their actions in in an appropriate level i think that will in the end make them all the better young men when they, when they hopefully do make it to that age of maturity. We try, we try to uh, make sure to instill in our boys, like you are responsible for these things that, that these are the consequences of what you have done. You know, if you swing that baseball bat without looking behind you to make sure that your brothers aren't there and you hit him. That's your responsibility. Like, you, you, those are the consequences of your action. It's not his fault for standing there. It's your fault for not paying attention when you swing the baseball bat.
2: That's right. You know,
1: obviously it's not a metal bat. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <a> <laughs> bat, but, you know, that goes back to point. Pro- protecting yeah, them yeah, as no, much exactly. as possible, you know. But not letting them not suffer any consequences. Like, use a plastic bat instead of a baseball
2: This was a great interview. So I thank you for... Thank you for your vocation. Thank you for you and Addie for for your witness in in terms of the faith. Jared, thank you for coming in.
0: We hope you enjoyed this One Body Stewarding God's Creation show. If you would like to evangelize and aren't quite sure how to do it, please consider donating to Divine Mercy Radio as only the Holy Spirit knows how many souls are being turned toward Jesus through these airwaves. This station is 100% listener supported. So any amount you can give will help pay the monthly bills. Thank you. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KBDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. One body, stood God's creation.